0: Lock Hope, radio to envision a world with white folks, without white folks, and be able to raise the question what is it that we're gonna do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality.
1: Hetepu, Yimhotep, Indamana, Indamanesh, Nangadaf, Majwo, Habaragani, Saobona, Anisogoma, Peace, War, Pan-African Greetings Family, this is Kamama Tahuti and you've entered Africa's reascension. We start off this year anniversary show like we do all others with an apae or a libation which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. A go a go a go. Out Inyame, Macuman, wa Yame, in Yamewa, Shridia Mawulis, Ra, Beje Ensa, Asasaya Ensa, Abasun Ensa, Abasun Po Ensa, Nana Sergibi, Ensa, Nana Esseketua Ensa, Nana Dada Kofi Ensa, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray, Nana Tigray Ensa. Nana None- Sinkufa, in-sa. Nana None- Kumi, in-sa. Kweku-free, in-sa. di sa sa bo ensa in-sa. Tam, sa o in Jehuti, in in-sa. Asar, in-sa. in Nana in Samanfo in sa Abasum, Abasua Fowansa Yashremo Yansa Yeshrimo Ahodin Yeshrimo and Shara Sikapa Yeshrimo and Quaso Yashremo and Quaso Abasua Fow Yea Ask that you, Otomakoman, and Yame, and Yamewa, Treaty of Pone, Mawulisa, Olorun, Amin Ra, use me in this form to continue to transmit clear, African centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans we once were. May I speak directly to their Sunsum, their spirit, their Ori, their spiritual head, and their ah, uh, which for Kemet, which is the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant sleep African inside of them. Medasi pa, medasi bio, mo piafo, mon ne casa, medasi nananom. The apae, or libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural and traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one, as those of tomorrow look upon what we're doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Again, Kamal Macy DeHoodie, Africa's Reascension. Man, it's been a while. <laughs> oh, I was all ready to go last week, and then Irene had other thoughts, other <laughs> ideas, and knocked the power out over here, and that didn't get on, that didn't happen, and two weeks ago, I had something going on, so it was just, woof, man. So we're here 1 year celebration It's like wow been doing this for a whole year Consistency is key consistency is critical and I'm glad that um majority of y'all have been here either live listening live in the chat or through downloads and your support. Uh, So, 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 madasi, madasi to that. Basically, what we're going to, I'll read the description in a minute, but basically we're going to, you know, go through the different shows, talk about their highlights, basically, Um, hopefully stir up some energies. And y'all, if you hadn't went and downloaded a particular program, Now, you know, you have a bit of information about it and be like, oh, wow, what did he say on this one? And then also um, share a little bit of – share a few ideas of what we hope to bring in the second year of Africa's reascension. We're definitely looking for to be on for another year. Um, Still, there's a lot more (laughs) that needs to be said even quite a bit that still needs to be repeated. And so as I see it right now definitely be on um for another year. But we've got a few bits of housekeeping to go through, so <clears throat> and a bit of sad news to go through. But um so before we go through all that housekeeping um got a YouTube YouTube page Africa's Reascension channel um just type that in all one word A F R I K A S R E A S C E N T I O N Africa's Reascension in YouTube we have visual clips of segments from our archives um favorite save from YouTube and I even have some uploads that I've done for my own personal um collection of videos and stuff with more on coming on the way. So you get to see and hear the likes of Mama Remba, Amos Wilson, um, Dr. Clark and others are there. So check it out again on YouTube, Africa's Reascension Channel. If you'd like a copy of my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, you can go to Negro Christian, N-E-G-R-O, C H R I S T I A N, Negro Christian, all one word, dot webs, W E B S dot com. You go there, you get the book for sixteen ninety-five plus shipping and handling. Then I have fifteen other books on the page that you can um Pick one of them, and you get basically two books for the price of one. You get that one free. Um, so, so yeah. So buy my book, get a book free. NegroChristian.Webs.com. Some other good blog talk shows that are out there. Pan Africanism or Parish by Taj Malik. Um, he's changed up his times a bit. So if you type in Pan-Africanism or Parish here at Blog Talk Radio or Taj Malik, T-A-J-M-A-L-I-K, you'll get to see his um, up-and-coming archives of highly, highly critical and good, important information. The last show that he just did was actually in the morning time on um, good speech within the diaspora, Uh, Medunefer. If you will, um, and so that that's a real good show, and he's got some other great pieces on there. Clash of Civilizations, where he does a critique of um, Samuel <clears throat> Samuel Huntington's book Cla- called same title Clash of Civilizations. Uh, racism, African anti-African racism in the Arab world. That's not his title, but he has a show that's similar to that title. Where he's dealing with, um, we get focused on because we're in the midst of it, the craziness and anti-African behavior of Caucasoids. He's got a show where he breaks down and, and 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 pulls the veil off of the anti-African behavior in Arabs and in the Muslim world. So, anyway, Pan-Africanism or Perish by Taj Malik T A J M A L I K. Type that into um, The Blog Talk Radio search And and his show page Will come up And you can check out his archives Mm -hmm. African Holistic Healing By Ambassador Asar And Mr. Holipsism They will actually be doing Their last show On um, September 11th It looks like that's when they started two years ago and I mean, he's got a family too and he's got a book out and he's got some other stuff going on. So all of that has come to a head. I guess he's put out (laughs) what he's needed, what he's felt like he needed to put out. And, um, so yeah, that, that, that his show will be coming to a close, um, on, on, September 11th. So, um you want to check that out. One interesting thing that I did note and this again just shows how much of a good brother he is during the um hurricane Irene stuff was going on. He did some particular shows on the nights that it was going on to um get feedback from people, to share information with people um that was key and critical for that time. He had a day one and a day two update. Whoops, um, I gave a wrong date. His last show will be on September ninth. I am sorry, September ninth, nine nine eleven will be Ambassador Sarah's final show. Um, so scrap what I said earlier, not September 11th, but September 9th will be the last African holistic healing at nine o'clock. So um, support that brother, continue support that brother, um, get his book, The Master Plan, just, yeah. And then lastly, I don't know what happened earlier, <laughs> but um, she's on regularly. Queen Ifama, the Truth Terrorist, Sundays at 7 p.m. Um, right before this one, I tried to go to her show and check it out, uh, but it seemed like the time I went, she was having some technical difficulties. So, uh, But normally she is on, and she's dropping, as she calls it, the raw, button naked truth. Um if you can't deal with the raw button naked truth, then that might not be the type of show that you want to go to. But if you can deal with it and coming from a sister's perspective, Queen Ifama, I F A M A, the truth terrorist, Sundays, seven o'clock Eastern, right before Africa's reascension. And we mentioned two brothers, so might as well round up with two sisters. Just mentioned Queenie Fama, but also um, Iyajua, I-Y-A, and then A-D-J-U-A. And her show is Wehemi Mesu, Cultural Rebirth Connections. Strong, strong sister. No holds barred, no cut card. She's about Africa african-centeredness um and reawakening that in the people so you definitely want to go check her shows out they are on wednesdays um again there's been time fluctuation with her shows as well so again if you just go to blog talk radio and their search type in um iya ajua i-y-a-a-d-j-u-a or Cultural Rebirth Connections or Wahimi Mesu, type in any of those and her show page will come up and um get some straight up uncompromising African centered information from a sister. So um, she her her last show was um, You are a wife already Long before the first date, she did an interview with her brother, um, Dr. Bailey, and that was at 4 o'clock, so maybe her regular times will be Wednesdays at 4 o'clock. But um, just to make sure, again, Ia Ajua with Hemi Mesu, Cultural Rebirth Connection. I was trying to get some other stuff in here, but you would think I've learned. I would learn after a year <laughs> that, that 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 blog talk wouldn't have let me. But um, I'll go ahead and share some bad news with everyone. Um, yeah, because I know they're not going to let me do it. Um, okay. For everyone who is familiar with and or entrenched in African-centered scholarship, you're already familiar with the relationship to ASCAC, ASCAC the Association for the Study of Classical African Civilizations. Um, It's been around for about 20 years, maybe even 30 now. And um, they're, they're international president of the organization was a strong, powerful, dynamic sister, <clears throat> Queen and Zinga Radabishi Heru. And she took the mantle of international president in 1990 and, and you know, going all around the country, spreading the information of African-centeredness throughout the world. Um, I got word that on August 22nd, she made her transition. When I was out on the West Coast back in early 2000, you know, that's where I got to meet her and hang with her and talk with her in multiple formats, either at an Ascat conference or or at the um, Christ Unity Center in in Los Angeles, because, you know, we would... (laughs) Christ Unity was like one of the only outlets of, of some type of Afrocentric religious ex- or spiritual experience. So some of us would, you know, go do the two or four-hour drive up to L.A. to go to Christ Unity. And uh, more times than not, um, Queen Radhibishi was there, and so, you know, we would chop it up and talk and stuff. and I mean, just powerful, dynamic sister. Um And so, yeah, when I got the word, I was out and about, and I'm just checking my email on the phone, and I was like, oh, snap, are you serious? And so, yeah, so August 22nd, um, she made her transition. And so this is what the Western region of ASCAC had to say about her. The majority of her tenure – as international president was spent in L.A., or was spent in the Western region, and so um, I'll just read this real quick. You may now know about the recent passing of our great leader, now ancestor, Queen and Ratabishi Heru Heyru Macheru, true voice, August twenty-second, two thousand eleven, Gregorian calendar. Queen and Zinga. Ratabishi Heru enjoyed a fulfilling role in the founding of the Association Association for the Study of Classical African Civilizations as a charter member and worked to publicize the first command Studies Conference of 1984. In her later capacities as Secretary and eventually International President beginning in 1990, Queen Nzinga Inspired young and old alike with her message of know thyself and reawakening the African spirit from Oakland to D.C. to Cairo to Trinidad and Tobago. The western region of Azkak has missed her presence ever since her move to Atlanta a few years ago, but we now know that she lives within us and we can remember her through the many ways that she has touched us over the years. Her tenacious spirit, can-do attitude, and strong leadership leave an indelible impression on our organization as well as her friends and family. And so if you go up to YouTube this is what I want to play and and, and and I couldn't get it in on time or blog talk started tripping. But um it seems like the, the, the last one of the last recorded um, talks of hers that you can get um was October two thousand ten when she was at the um Midwestern regional of ASCAC. And um sad, sad um, day, sad time. Um, It's like you never get used to transition. It's like, you know, you you look, you know, it's going to (laughs) happen. And so, you know, that's one thing. But then actually when it happens, it's like, wow. Um, And so, yeah, so, so if you go to YouTube and, 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 and check that out, you get to see, for folks who haven't heard or seen her, you know, type her name in. Um, for folks, I mean, R A R A T I. Okay. R-A-T-I-B-I-S-H-A, Radabishi Heru, um Radabisha right, Hebrew Two thousand ten um Midwest ASCAC Regional Conference. Type that into YouTube and um you get to see and hear her and and, and feel her diamondism and feel her like they say, can can do attitude. Um, major major loss. Um. Yeah. And so on that note, <laughs> gather myself, um play a bit of music and then come back and there's another bit of information that I think folks would want to know um about this person that some of y'all voted for
0: <clears throat>
1: and and his recent in your face anti-african quit expecting me to do stuff for black people behavior so Just looking for some music, and we'll be back. Reascension. That was Glenn Velez, Fruits of Labor, music directly for your chakras. So that was for the second chakra. Um, If you'd like to call in, be a part of the show, 760-454-1111, 760-454-1111. Now, now, we are going to get to the celebration and, and the show recap, but as usual, there's always still stuff going on. And when this one came across my table, I was like, some bitch. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's just what came through. I mean, it's one of those, you know what, if you would have did this, you know, then, then some of us who really don't like you, could have at least had something good to say about you. But when you did this, this is just, again, another nail in the coffin that um, Obama, we, we can, you remember when Kanye got on TV and he was like, Bush don't care about black people? This is, a, th- what I'm about to share with y'all is another thing that now we can say to paraphrase, to change it up a little bit, but paraphrase what Kanye said, Obama don't care about black people. Let me put the link in the chat room so folks can check it out for themselves, and I'll read chunks of it. Obama rejects pardon request for Marcus Garvey, and this came out um, right around his birthday, August 21st, you know, a few days after his birthday. Um, and I'm reading from the Caricom Network, their website. And Like I said, I put the link in the chat room. The already strained relations between Barack the uh, between the Barack Obama administration and the government of Jamaica could be in for more severe testing as the U.S. government now says that says the granting of a pardon to Jamaica's national hero Marcus Garvey would be a quote-unquote, wait for it, wait for it, it would be a waste of time and resources since Garvey has been dead for ages. A report in the Sunday Observer says the flat rejection of a request for a presidential pardon of Jamaica's first national hero, the Right Honorable Marcus Masaya Garvey, follows an eventual reply to Florida-based, Jamaica-born attorney uh, Donovan Parker, who has been writing to President Obama every week since January requesting a posthumous pardon for Garvey. Now, one, we want to applaud um, the attorney for doing that, but also for folks who know about the UNIA and they're still in existence, Um, they have had a, a campaign to expunge the 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 BS charges off his record for a few years now, and so I guess somebody finally was able to get to Florida-based Jamaican-born attorney Donovan Parker, and so from January to August, once a week, he'd been writing to the president that some of y'all voted for that's got black skin. Let me continue. Many believe that Garvey was set up by ever I'm sorry, by J. Edgar Hoover-led FBI fearful of his widening popularity among downtrodden U.S. blacks. Garvey was in prison for mail fraud, totaling $25, yeah, you heard that right, $25, in in June 1923, and after spending two years and nine months in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary, was deported from New Orleans, um, Louisiana, to Jamaica on the ship. The Sunday Observer says it acquired a copy of one letter that was sent by Parker to the president and the first ever reply from the white house on the matter. Marcus Messiah Garvey is a national hero of Jamaica West Indies, and is a leading forebearer of the African American civil rights experience wrote Parker. We could quibble with that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> now let me just keep reading um, This is still coming from Parker It is full time that this extraordinary Human being of humble beginnings And strong moral character Be pardoned by the pen of an American President It would be fitting if both you Mr. President and the First Lady Visit Jamaica for the purposes of Signing the executive order Pardoning Marcus Garvey So this is I guess one of Or part of the letters that Um, Donovan Parker had been Sending weekly to um, That president With black skin In a tersely I'm going back to the article In a tersely worded reply to Parker's Request White House Pardon attorney Ronald Rogers Said such a move would be A waste of time and resources Since Garvey has been Dead for ages So All of this, what I'm about to read, these two paragraphs, is coming from White House pardon attorney, Ronald Rogers. It is the general policy of the Department of Justice that requests for posthumous pardons for federal offenses not be processed for adjudication. The policy is grounded in the belief that the time of the officials involved in the clemency process is better spent on pardon and commutation requests of living persons continuing many posthumous pardon requests would likely be based on the claim of manifest injustice and given that decades have passed since the events and the historical record would have to be scoured to objectively and comprehensively investigate such applications it is the department's position that the limited resources which are available to process requests for presidential clemency now being submitted in record numbers are best dedicated to requests submitted by persons who can truly benefit from a grant of the request. And they, they, they continues Roger replying on behalf of Obama, who was the first black president, black skin president. I'm adding that uh, in the history of the U S. Um, Parker expressed his other disappointment At the latest development And called on U.S. Ambassador to Jamaica Pamela Bridgewater To add her voice to the call For Garvey to be officially pardoned um, She should advise Secretary of Snakes, I mean Secretary of State Hillary Clinton to strongly recommend a posthumous presidential pardon for the right honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey in the name of human decency and justice. There's no reason why the US government shouldn't do this and Obama shouldn't sign. And then there's more to the article there, but I just want to get that part out. It's, it's it's just oh the, what started the whole process it seems like former Prime Minister Edward Sega or Siega asked the U.S. President, the late Ronald Reagan, at that time, to grant a pardon, a full pardon, to Marcus Garvey. Um, a resolution was brought to the U.S. House Subcommittee on Criminal Justice as far back as 1987, but the issue seemed to be to have been pushed on the back burner. And so, yeah, and so they've come out August 21st saying it would be a waste of time and resources, and we're just going to focus on pardoning live people and all that sort of stuff. Obama, Obama. Oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah. So some of y'all voted for him. Some of y'all might even go back out and vote for him. I'm still waiting for him to do at least one thing deliberately and directly for black folks. Um, On YouTube, Mr. Holipsism, like, almost weekly, puts out um, YouTube pages, YouTube Videos, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. And he's got one on on Obama recently, like Obama isn't a black president or isn't for black people or something like that. Um, and and it's it's a magnificent magnificent um, clip. He plays a little piece from Steve Harvey. He critiques that knucklehead. And then, if I'm getting it, if I'm remembering right, because I listened to a few of them, I think he then, no, I won't say that. I, no. And I think he then plays a piece from uh, a documentary on Iraq, which goes through and talks about all the money that Halliburton is making. And he ties that in how Bush was definitely a president for um, corporate America. And for those type of folks, and so, and it was those folks who voted for Bush, and so he was dealing with his constituency. And so he makes the parallel, if you got 97% of black people who are voting for you, you should deal with the responses of that constituency, because they voted for you. And and it seems like on every... Major and or minor item. Obama's just basically saying, "F y'all." It's the corporate folks that line my pockets. It's Wall Street that got me in here, so I'm gonna look out for them. He said that over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and we'll see if. Next year we'll see if The 97% who voted At least goes down to 96 But anyway So yes, yeah, So Obama Rejects Pardon Request for Marcus Garvey uh, If you want to read The whole thing yourself Or read some other reports on it You know just type that into Google Google that and You'll see the distressing information for yourself. And like I said, I put the link in the chat room. Oh, what about the pardon from Mumia in the chat room? That ain't going to happen either. <laughs> he allegedly got blood on his hands. Allegedly. We know that's BS, but he allegedly got blood on his hands. Garvey supposedly frauded somebody out of 25 bucks. And they 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 can't pardon him or even expunge his record, so so they definitely ain't gonna touch Mumia, who supposedly allegedly got blood on his hands. So damn Obama. Anyway, gonna play a clip, then come right back and get into it. Um, get into this year celebration, like a uh, like a. Yeah, I always ramble. That's what we're going to do after this quick break. Africa's reascension. Kamal McCasey Tahuti.
0: As of this moment, we are at war.
1: Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamal 301. K A M A U 301. 760-454-1111 760-454-1111 760-454-1111 760-454-1111 When are we going to, as African people, step up the dialogue? Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern Because it's black, African power! An uncompromising, unapologetic, African-centered internet radio show. Until we re Africa as the preeminent value. None of those other solutions mean a doggone thing. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301. K-A-M-A-U-301. If you're not about nation building, you're not about African 1111 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111. As of this moment. We are at war. There's no evidence that black and white races can live in close proximity to each other in peace without, without whites attempting to oppress and exterminate the black. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau 301. K-A-M-A-U 301. What kind of God do you wish him?
0: What's the name of it? Who taught you to pray him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were about to be shores? Is this the religion you had before you were about to be shores? Can you name one African God? Sundays,
1: 9 p.m. Eastern, blogtalkradio.com slash Kamal 301. K A M A U three zero one. All right. That's my own little promo. That's the, the extended version. If other shows have been playing it, because I sent it to a few other ones, they've been get, you've been getting the shorter version because we only do about a minute for the promos. But I like that whole promo, so I try to play it as much as I can. So September 5th, 2010 marked the inaugural broadcast of this program. Conventions, hurricanes, festivals blog talk glitches, show swaps, et cetera, could not, oops, there's a typo on there, could not stop the reascension from continuing. Please join in. Wow, I was typing this fast, huh? As we, one, go through the previous shows by way of recaps to remind folks of what has been covered. So if you missed any archives, this show will be that reminder or refresher for you. And two, talk about the way forward. There's a lot planned for the second year, and some of that, some, will be shared. Now, this is what I would like also from y'all listening and in the chat. Call in and share, or in the chat room, share what your favorite and least favorite shows were. What African Reascension has done great? and what we can improve on, what you would like to hear, and what you have loved hearing. So whatever the case, stop by and support the one-year celebration of Africa's Reascension. Intermediate and advanced African-centered thought and practice, Africa's Reascension. So yes, so hopefully, you know, while we go through this, and I'll periodically check the chats I, I, I want some feedback. I know some of y'all have been listening for a while, and you can share that, share some feedback. What was your favorite show? What was your least favorite show? Um, some things we did great, other things that we can improve on, some things that you would like to see for the second year, and also for everyone who's not live but who will um, pick this up through the archives, put put something on the comments field for this particular show or shoot me an email at Kamal301 at Yahoo dot com. K-A-M-A-U 301 at Yahoo dot com. I want some feedback. Because one thing that I've noticed over this year, 40 shows or so, is that getting a consistent audience has been a bit of a challenge. Um and let let me let me go back a bit so i have to give all thanks and all credit to mr holipsism and mr holipsism haven because i think it was in april may something like that is when they had me on their show to do a debate where i eviscerated uh, my opponent in the um african identity debate And that was my first, first taste of being on air with Blog Talk. Uh, My first, first ever hearing of Blog Talk was early 2009, I want to say, maybe 2010. There was a brother... um, his first name is escaping me, but his last name is Aukboten, A-G-B-O-T-E-N. And this brother was doing some, and I was part of the UNIA more um, more um, aggressively at that time. And, and he was there, and he was, you know, selling his book, and he was talking about that. And a lot of his ideas, I was like, all right, I'm jobbing with that. I'm feeling that. And then he shared that he had a blog talk radio program. And I was like, hmm, what's blog talk? And so I I, I think his his whole account might be deleted now. I'm not sure, but it was this brother talking, you know, hardcore about Pan-Africanism that first introduced me to blog talk. And then I, you know, went to the search engine and typed in black and African and Yoruba and Akan and, you know, different search terms and listening to shows here and there and stumbled across uh, Mr. Holipsism. And I was like, you know, listened to a few and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> OK, this is this is up. This is what it's about. And Omo, um a to our radio dealing with um, Yoruba life and reality and uh, Black Vanguard network and and just a whole host of shows and so that so I was listening for a good, you know, 6 to 8 months beforehand and then that's and then after a while and you know I would call in on other shows and say my piece here and there mainly on the Hollysism's Haven on his show um uh, but then I kept hearing the, the the opponent who I eviscerated kept saying certain things on Holism show, and I was on as well, and I was like, you know what? You want to do a debate? <laughs> and he said, yeah, and I said, yeah, and they set it all up. And so I want to say April or May of 2010, that was when I first was on air. And then I was like, hmm, I can do this and so still waited a few months to some more shows and so then yes yeah, September 5th 2010 was the first show that we did so technically for those who really really want to get technical the birthday is um the birthday is tomorrow ah welcome miss sapphire first time listener thank you um yes actually yeah, I'm, I'm addressing you. You you were looking for the debate. It's in Holicism's archives, but it's also in mine, as well. I went ahead and 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 brought it over and put it in my archives as well. So it's in both places, actually. And so Miss Sapphire, moving to you now. Since this is the first, since you're a first-time listener, this show is great for you, because I'm gonna basically go through. The highlights of the first forty shows, so if something piques your interest, all the all the um shows are available free for download and you can, you know, download it, listen to it at your leisure, and definitely, definitely send some feedback either again on that show page, on the comments page, in the comments field, or shoot me an email, um Kamal301 at Yahoo dot com. So, and I went back and, and and listened to quite a few of the shows that I did. <laughs> and since this is a celebration show, I'm going to go ahead and toot my own horn a little bit. There's some good shit on there, y'all. <laughs> I was just going like, wow, I said that. <laughs> ah. Okay, that was weird weirder, supposed to go louder when I did that. <laughs> anyway, okay, so, so yeah, so the very first show, the beginning of the Reascension starts now. Um, basically, that's the show where, and I feel everyone should do this, and I, I'm sort of upset that everyone doesn't do this format, but the first show, I think you should tell who the hell you are. Why should I be listening to you? What's your credentials or, you know, what's your, you know, your community organizing record or what you've done or what you're doing and all that sort of stuff. And so my first show, I made sure that a large part of it was that. Who is this guy, Kamal McCasey Tahuti? And then I walked through different aspects of, you know, things that I would like to do at Africa's Reascension. And and I would say I, I've touched on all the stuff that I mentioned, at least in that particular – in that first show. Um, I did address – when I look over, you know, what I did talk about, I do think I covered a lot of stuff um, that I mentioned. And then I ended – that first show was packed for, for – because at that time, I only had an hour. It was at 11 o'clock. And so, you know, over the computer, it's an hour, and then you get an hour of um, overtime if you just listen in on your phone. And so for that remaining time, I started digging in on um, Christianity and, and how it affects black folks. But it was just a teaser. It was just a little bit of stuff to set up the next three shows. So the next three shows that I did, um, one thing that you notice if you go back through the archives, I have lecture series, series serieses, series I, whatever the hell the plural of series is, Um, because at that time and even now, the one hour or two hours or three hours actually doesn't seem to be enough time to get through all of the information properly. That's why I remember constantly um Baba Amos Wilson and my Rimba and I would constantly say, um you got to let me know the time I'm ending because we could be here all night. And I have a lecture of a- Baba Amos that was 3 hours long. <laughs> and 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 it's like, you know, folks be putting on stuff for 30 minutes thinking we going to get all the answers in 30 minutes. But anyway, I don't want to ramble. So yes, so we have three shows Entitled Exposing the Fallacy of the African Origins of Christianity Part 1, 2, and 3 And looking at the numbers As a block of shows As a lecture series goes That's probably my second most successful series And, and of course with three shows Um, Two hours each We're not going to do a full recap of them The biggest thing to know Out of those three shows To entice you to go download them And listen to them yourself Is that what Caucasoids stole from us They stole symbol And they stole ideas But they did not steal meaning They did not understand what they were stealing from us. The reason why that statement is important is because 98% of all black folks that know a little bit about Christianity was allegedly stolen from Africa. What they all say is that they say just that, that it was stolen from Africa. So therefore, if we just blacken it up or if we just know that it was stolen, then I don't have to leave Christianity because Christianity is an African religion. And in that, and in those three shows, I went through great lengths to show that just because you steal a symbol, an image, an idea, does not mean that the exact same meanings, the, the exact same understandings, the exact same ways that we did it came through within Christianity. And everyone seems to miss that point. They just want to say it's all ours anyway. The 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 the, the Ten Commandments was stolen from the forty-two laws to Ra, admonitions to Ra. Um, hey, has got some similarities to Jesus, so Jesus is Hey the Bible is the Purdue. I have heard some asinine stuff from people who obviously have not really looked into what we were doing originally because if we did and then you look at how it came across in Christianity, it is one hundred and eighty degrees apart. It was not an exact theft carryover. And the other major point is that none of the Greeks graduated the Comedic schools. If anybody had, if any Caucasoid had the closest ability to have understood the ancient African understandings, it would have been a few of the Greeks, but none of them graduated. Pythagoras, if we go to George G.M. James legacy, he says he, he went through 23 to 25 years of schooling and if y'all remember our our comedic schools was 40 years so he was the most he went the furthest in our schools at 23 to 25 years nobody there was a few at 20 um and then you know others under 20 but if the school was 40 years that means they only got partial knowledge so none of the greeks fully understood the comedic understanding so they passed down their incomplete, misunderstood, comedic inf- information to the Romans. And then the Romans passed their incomplete, misunderstood information to present-day Caucasoids. or it was done in reverse. But you, you get the idea. No Caucasoid fully understood our African ways of being spiritually. So they stole symbol, yes, you see the 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 you see our set in in what we now call the Black Madonna Post, and we see that you know there's black ones in Poland and Mary and Jesus so we see they stole symbol, they stole ideas, but they did not. Still, the meanings they did—the meanings that we had for them did not carry over with them into Christianity, because Caucasoids didn't get it, and they still don't get it. And so we really have to go back to under and look at and understand what we were doing and what we meant spiritually. And then my argument then is: once we do that. Christianity is child's play, and we will want to run from it anyway because it stults your spiritual growth. But like I say, that's just a little bit of a recap to to wet the palate. That's a little bit to wet the palate there. So those were the first. Well, the second, third, and fourth shows that we did, Exposing the Fallacy of the African Origins of Christianity, Part 1, 2, and 3. And like I said, as a group, those three are my second most well-received shows that I've done. Then after that, we did our first news hour. I compiled different news topics and talked about it, and that seemed to be very well-received as well. Um, And so then we tried it again, you know, a bit later on And so so we're going to, that's going to be one thing we make sure to do Now that we have two hours and then an hour of overtime I don't know if I can compile three hours worth of news to go into But we could, you know, every now and then do get an hour of news Share some stuff, you know, get some feedback Either from the phone or through the chat about certain good news items, like, again, the Garvey piece, and, and, you know, Sister E.I. shared some stuff in the chat. But folks can call in, too. Um, That's another thing that I'm going to try to do (laughs) is structure some of the shows, not all, because some of the shows – I, I am a frustrated college professor, and so some of the shows I do just want to get information out there, and then we have feedback afterwards, or when we go offline, then we can, you know, where, you know, yeah, when we go I need the better wording for it because it's not offline. Off computer, if you listen on the phone, then we can get more into Q&A. But there are some shows where I just want to get information out there because I feel it's vital or folks hadn't heard about it before. and so. But I also want to tailor some of these shows to get feedback, to get to hear y'all. And so I'm going to work more on that um, for, for year two. So the next block of shows that I did, again, it was three shows, and I'm sort of seeing that three shows seem to be almost the limit. I don't know. Maybe that that was just in year one. Maybe year two would be different. But, like, there was some shows where I did, like, a part four to it, and there's even one coming up where I still have to finish and do a part four. It seems like the part four drops off. If I just stick with three, get it all in, and three, that seems to be better received. I don't know. But the next block of shows that I did was basically talking about my book, How to Make a Negro Christian. I walked through... Um, key passages, um, I walked through an analysis, and it was was one beautiful thing about um, doing the book talk, doing my book talk. The same time that I scheduled it to do it was the same week, another brother from another show that I've been listening to, but we hadn't interacted any, he just happened to stumble across my book. And I'm listening to the show and he he's giving me praises and he had my book on the on the show links page and I was like wow this is that's serendipity that's <laughs> no it ain't no serendipity I'm sorry that's the ancestors doing some work right there and and again we hadn't talked we hadn't contacted before that but I scheduled my show or I think I had No, I hadn't done it. I think they did theirs earlier. That's what happened. They were doing their shows earlier in the day, that Sunday, and I was doing mine later and really literally stumbled across the book and and did a small analysis of it and just loved it. And so I was able to um, do some – audio cutting and pasting and put that in on the shows. So there are three shows, How to Make a Negro Christian, um, a book analysis, parts one, two, and three, where I walk through how we were made Christians here in America. Basically, there was a Caucasoid named um, Charles Colcott Jones, who in 1832 gave a sermon called The Religious Instruction of the Negro." Um, He went around different plantations south. He was in um, Liberty Liberty County, Georgia. That was his base. But he went around through different um, plantations giving this message, giving step-by-step instructions on how to give Christianity to the enslaved population, us. And he was getting feedback from the other Caucasus on the plantations. And so in 1847, he revised and updated the book. So then that one was Suggestions on the Religious Instructions of the Negro, where he refined it based on the different conversations and things that he had with other um, plantation owners. And so while at that time... Again, eight, we're talking, you know, mid-1800s where he was doing all this legwork and stuff. He wasn't like a big-name guy and stuff like that. But when you dig deeper, when you read other people who tried to put together religious instruction templates, they all refer back to him. And in in The Education of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson – Everyone loves, please hear me right here, everyone loves, and rightly so, The Miseducation of the Negro by Carter G. Woodson. The book that everyone sleeps on that is almost even more damning than miseducation is his earlier book, The Education of the Negro. And it's in this book where he lays out and talks about Charles Colcock Jones. And in my book, I pull out some of his numerical research where black folks, you know, weren't really on the census beforehand because we were three-fifths of a people, basically. But after 1900s, after so-called alleged emancipation is when they first started doing their church records. And you see that right around 1900, 1901, 02, something like that. The numbers of us who were Christians exploded. So now, 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 get this. We were brought over practicing our traditional spiritual systems. 1526 was the first time we touched quote unquote American soil at that time. Not 1619, and I'm getting ahead of myself because in one of my shows I mentioned this. But 1526 was the first time stolen Africans got brought over here. We revolted and ran away with the um, Seminole Indians, (laughs) and that's why we don't hear about that. And then also where we were at then was a Spanish colony, and since America was more formally conquered by the British, that's like a little side note they don't want to deal with. But it's a side note they don't want to deal with for that other reason as well. We rebelled (laughs) – said F the slave system and hooked up with the with the Seminole quote unquote Seminole, quote unquote Indians and left the plantation system. So we ain't even supposed to know about that. But oh, okay. So so from fifteen twenty six until eighteen thirty two when Colcock first gives that sermon, we were still mainly traditional folks. But after Colcock does his sermon and after the religious instruction done by white folks and then done by black folks really start picking up on the plantations, by 1900s, when the first census was taken, we were Christians. Like I forget the exact number, some crazy number, eighty-five, ninety percent, and that number really hasn't dropped too much to this day. In a hundred and ten, a hundred and eleven years, is when we've become Christians in this country, and I say that that is mainly due to the original legwork. And mind work of Charles Colcock Jones. So, in the book, I read, I, I republish his sermon in its entirety. I republish his book, how, uh, uh, religious destruction of "A Religious Instruction of the Negro," and I republish um, large chunks of his suggestions on the religious instructions of the Negro. So, I give you his exact words, so you can't say I'm taking shit out of context. <laughs> And then, you know, in between those, I add in African-centered commentary and stuff like that, but that's basically the gist of those three shows, and and as I mentioned, Tosh, what's up, my man? Um, as I mentioned, you can go to – I'll throw this in the chat where you can go get the book, Negro Christian – Dot webs, dot com. Um and when you go there, if once you buy, buy my book, sixteen ninety five, Chip 95 I have other books there that you can get for free. So you get my book, pick one book there, get two books basically for the price of one. So Did three shows, How to Make a Negro Christian. So now Hands down, by far, my most successful block of blog talk shows to date were the shows Are We Wasting Our Time with Our Present Masses First Approach to Organizing. The numbers of downloads that folks have done for that show is off the chart, and I can't even compare them with any other show that I did. I can definitely say one of the reasons is, again, because of Mr. Holipsism. He put, um, he created, like, a YouTube clip of my show and put it on his page, his personal page, put on his YouTube page, and he already has a group of followers. And so then that pushed him over here to um, check it out and download. And, I mean, by far, these three shows – Because it's those two with that title, Are We Wasting Our Time with Our Present Masses First Approach to Organizing? And then the part three of that was real organizing, using the maroon example and shared consciousness. So that was technically part three. All three of those, if you have not downloaded them, you really, really should download them. I am doing a very... Critical critique of what basically everyone who sort of comes into this at a certain level, the, the 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 quagmire they get into, which is we gotta go awaken all the masses all at once if we want to do something. And and I I go through that I think and. <laughs> I'll go on the numbers that a lot of other people think. I go through that with a fine-tooth comb, with a African-centered precision scalpel, and, 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 and basically say, no, that is not the proper way to go. Um, we've been spending 70% of our time – this is a quick recap – 70% of our time trying to awaken the masses, awaken the masses, raise consciousness – And only 30% of our time actually, and it's probably, I I, I said this in the show too, I'm probably being nice, it's probably even more 80-20, but 20 to 30% of our time actually building and actually having tangible things to counter all the stuff that we complain about. And so the example that I gave in the show to just bring it home, to just, I feel, bring it to right in your face that this masses first approach doesn't work. That if we agree that only 20 to 30 percent is used to build infrastructure, if you wake up one million African people tomorrow, or if something gets in the water where a million African people wake up tomorrow and they come to your organization saying, I'm awake, I'm an alive African, ready to do something, since you only spent twenty to thirty percent of your energies and resources building infrastructure and programs and stuff like that, you won't have nothing for them to do. You won't have any money to put towards anything for them to do because you've only spent 20 or 30 percent of your time in the infrastructure building of what we're talking about. And and as Taj and other folks in here can attest to, ninety percent of these blog talk shows are dealing with raising the consciousness, raising the consciousness. But but again, whole Lips he he tried with a few of his shows. I've tried with some of my shows to get a hold of the folks that are ready to do some building but african-centered building because another critique that i give on those three shows is this operational unity and we just can solely unify and get together based on either shared oppression or skin color and i walk through and i show how that has never worked or it has never worked for a long, sustained period. It it, it, it it has an immediate effect of working because, especially if an event happens, you pissed off about the event or you've got that, that energy, that rah, rah, yeah, for the event. But after the event dies down, after the, the upsetness of whatever happened dies down, Since there wasn't any behavioral change, since there wasn't any other stuff that had you want to change and transform what's going on, you go back to the Negro behavior because it's all we know by default. So the operational unity just getting together based on shared oppression and, and skin color, there is no proof of that having long-lasting effectiveness. And so that's where especially the third show comes into play, where I walk through and I talk about um, the maroon example and shared consciousness. So the maroon example, I walk through 70% of us who call ourselves pro-black Nationalists, African-centered, all that, ain't never heard of the maroon communities. Have never heard of Palmares in Brazil, who fought back victoriously, um, the Portuguese, for a century, a century, 100 years. The only success – no, I'm getting ahead of myself – we we haven't heard of the Jamaican maroons in Jamaica, obviously. We haven't heard of the um um Salamancas or, or Salamanca people in, 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 in Saramanca. We barely even know about the, the 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 large maroon communities that were all over the United States. And so again, within these shows I, I And then within these shows, within that particular show, Real Organizing, using the Maroon example, but then I also did a resistance, and I'm getting ahead of myself, a resistance to enslavement in different phases. And in one of those shows, that's where I really went through where some of these Maroon groups in America were. Let me hit y'all with this. The only, now we talk about sovereignty and complete freedom. The only groups to ever achieve that were the maroon groups. Garvey, old NOI, Black Panthers, Bob Omowale, also known as Malcolm X, RNA, Republican New Africa, RAM, Revolutionary Action Movement—all of these groups were great, and they did a lot to move us forward. But they did not get us 100% sovereignty, or even 90% sovereignty and freedom. Again, for these maroon communities broke off from the plantation systems, went into the hinterlands of wherever they were, and basically reset up traditional African communities where they were. And then they also set up defenses so if Caucasoids or Caucasoid minded black folks tried to get them, they would have traps set up so so they couldn't get their land. And the best movie that I have come across that gives you the visual of how a maroon society operated was Quilombo, Q-U-I-L-O-M-B-O, which is a movie um, dealing with, again, the Palmares in Brazil group that fought back victoriously the Portuguese for 100 years. 100 years. Comple- completely detached from the system, yet self-sustaining and successful. Now, all of the Maroon communities weren't successful because some of them tried to add in elements of Christianity. Some of them tried to add in different elements of white thought within the society. A lot of them tried to um, get treaties with the particular um, Caucasoid groups that kept coming after them, kept coming after them. Every maroon group that, that brought Christians into their group, every maroon group that created treaties with Caucasoids failed, had dissension in the ranks, had confusion in the ranks, and eventually failed. Those maroon groups that had the shared consciousness, that focused on reestablishing Um, The traditional systems, the traditional way of life that pushed out and kept out foreign and alien ideas and worldviews and thoughts were the most successful ones. And again in this movie Quilombo, they 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 show how that they had there was a little break in their freedom because one of the leaders was crazy and he brought in a, a white woman and did some crazy stuff and so they had a break in their freedom. <laughs> and so the people had to uprise and revolt and he eventually saw the error of his ways and then after his misreign <laughs> – as 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 the king, there they got back on their freedom and sovereignty tracks. And so again, so those three shows. Oh, and then with the real organized, organized user maroon example, and shared consciousness, I also go into how deep consciousness is, and I walk through Amos Wilson's breakdown of consciousness in Blueprint for Black Power and again i must say i really like that show my damn self <laughs> because we throw around the term conscious and consciousness and all that sort of stuff um very flippantly and very loosely and and i got sick of it and so that a large segment of that show is walking through all the different dynamics and aspects within consciousness and how that is a power and how that consciousness precedes unity. So, understanding what consciousness is in, in its full totality then moves you towards unity. But just trying to do unity based on skin color and everyone and shared oppression oh, the white man kicked my butt, so the white man kicked your butt too. Okay, yeah, let's have unity. That only the only time that worked was during the slavery, during chattel slavery. That's when that worked because we was on the plantation <laughs> and master was whooping our ass, and so we was all getting beat down. And so it was about okay, we need to rise up, get off the plantation, kill the crackers, all that sort of stuff. Different time, more sophistication, infinitely more brainwashing going on. So we have to be about doing something different. And so, again, like I say, as the numbers share and show, um, those three shows really touch the court with folks. And so if you haven't heard them, check them out. Are we wasting our time with our present masses first approach to organizing? Part one and two and then part three of a different title, Real Organizing, Using the Maroon Example and Shared Consciousness by far the by far <laughs> the most downloaded group of shows on Africa's reascension. So then after that we did another um news show um an open forum and that was pretty well received as well. So now I s I, I sorta talked about this last time a a, a little while ago. Ah, thank you, Kim. Um, in the chat room, Kim says she's downloading these the exposing the fallacies now and send some feedback because I know I'm sharing information in those programs that you don't hear from most nationalist black folks. they're just happy to paint Jesus black. they just happy to throw some dinkers in the Bible and think it's done. I reject that, but It's not just rhetoric. That's another thing with Africa's Reascension. There may be some shows where I rant and I'm venting and all that sort of stuff. But one thing that I feel that stands out about this show is that I give you the scholarship. I put the books in your hands. I let you listen to the lecture to to, to the scholars yourselves. So you can then have the ammo yourself. And so, yeah, yeah. So we did a four-part show. Actually, no, this was quite a few of them. Let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. A seven-set lecture series, which I call Resistance to Enslavement, and I broke it down in phases. As I see, let me do this before I even say that. (laughs) We got 30 minutes left on the live stream, so everyone is listening on their computer and in the chat now. The show will stop for you in 30 minutes. If, however, you call in to 760-454-1111 and, and either listen in on Skype or listen in on your phone, we will continue because I'm looking at the time and I'm looking at, other shows that I still want to go through, we're going to go into the hour overtime. And so there seems to be some good chat going on in the chat room and some other stuff. So there's some good energy going on. And so if you want to continue being part of this energy, at after 30 minutes from now, you can call in and continue listening on your phone. Or if you got Skype, do it that way. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. Excuse me. So yes, yeah, so we did a six-part series called Resistance to Enslavement, Phase One, Two, and Three. And so I, what I so tried to do was two parts to each one. So Resistance to Enslavement Phase One was on the home front, and there's two parts to that. What those two talks were about, again, information we don't hear about. We fought Caucasoids back when they came to try to get us in Africa proper. There is a magnificent book that walks through the three ways that we did it, Offensive, Defensive, and Protective Strategies. And it's called Fighting the Slave Trade. And so I share a lot of the information in that book, in these two parts, Resistance to Enslavement, Phase One on the Home Front. We fought these Caucasoids tooth and nail from when they came to the continent to when they dropped us off here in America or wherever they dropped us off. Now, most of these shows... That I'm talking about now sort of dealt with when they brought us here, but I can, I got info and books I'm looking at now. So we could definitely talk about the resistance in Jamaica and the resistance in Puerto Rico and other stuff like that. I got those books too, but most of these shows was dealing with when we got brought over here, but we don't even know that we fought them coming over (laughs) in Africa to, to not enslave us. Um we would set the again we had protective protective strategies, offensive and defensive. So so um, one thing that was common especially with the defense ones is some of some of us move back into less accessible areas and then like I said with the maroons we would um in Africa to stop the in enslavers, in, in white folks and stupid ones of us that was aiding them, we would set up defense perimeters. And and one cool thing is, you know, there would be one way in and one way out. And so they would set up, you know, watch watch people to watch what's going on like, you know, in a high tower and and they would dig deep deep pits and then put spikes and snakes, poisonous snakes and whatever else, at the bottom of the pit, and then cover it up. So then if if enslavers, white or black, would come to try to get them, since they didn't know, you know the password or they didn't know the alternate route to go, the safe route to go, they would fall in the pits and die. And a whole bunch of Caucasoids and Caucasoid helpers died that way trying to enslave us based on our ingenuity. Another thing that I shared was there was a, a small group that was in Africa that was being um, targeted by a larger group, unfortunately, of, of other Africans. And what the smaller group did was, you know, there was a particular trail that they that, that you would have to go through to get to their particular community, but it was a long, arduous trail. So what the smaller group would do was put food on the trail, food and water, but poison it. So then when these, when these Blacks, knuckleheads would come trying to enslave them to send them to some Caucasoid to get some money or trinkets or whatever. And they would get tired and they would get beat down and they want to rest and they'd stumble across some food. They'd be like, oh, wow, cool, it's left. There's some stuff that's left here. And they would eat stuff and they would drink stuff and and, and it's recorded in the book, Fighting the Slave Trade. Whole swaths, whole brigades of these folks would die off. (laughs) <laughs> it worked so well that eventually the king of the larger group, you know, called a truce <laughs> and, and, and you know, sent the emissary down to be like, all right, all right, you know what, we're we going to chill with y'all. we sorry we call a truce because too many of our folks are dying <laughs> because y'all poisoning us and killing us and we can't get to you you know, all that sort of stuff. And so, again, so those are some of the strategies and tactics that we used on the continent to save ourselves on the continent. That we hear nothing about in 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 all of these documentaries talking about slavery. Ninety percent of these white written books talking about the mafia and slavery. And most of these damn black studies classes in universities don't even talk about the resistance to enslavement on the continent by us to save the family. So then, so that's part one and two, resistance to enslavement, phase one. So then I did one part called resistance resistance to enslavement, phase two, on the enslavement ships. That show was a fun show because I even – Learned I mean I'm always learning but We We don't again Other stuff we don't get There were this one book Recorded over 700 Revolt Enslaved African revolts On board the ships y'all 700 I think the exact Number was like 693 something like that We only and I say this in this show We only hear about Amistad for a reason. It was white folks who eventually helped us, and white president John Adams, I think, I don't don't keep up, white folks, they helped get us our quote-unquote freedom. And so that's why it became a big movie, and that's why we know about Amistad. But in this particular show, Resistance to Enslavement, Phase two on the enslavement ship. I read the account. Oh, I'm sorry. The name of the book was "If We Must Die" um, by a white boy. Um, oh God, where's the book? I want to say Eric Taylor. Don't quote me on that. But there, and there's a few books of that name, but it's called "If We Must Die." And yeah, he deliberately. And I, I give him. I give him. Um, leeway on that he deliberately took that from the um, Claude McKay title of the same name but If We Must Die there are a few books with that title so this is the only one that's like a a, a dark purple light cover and it has you know in the subtitle dealing with shipboard revolts and and revolutions and stuff on board ships so if you want the book um, that's the book If We Must Die but on this show I give the account of the ship called the Marlborough, The Marlborough. This was a ship, and now this wasn't the only ship that did this. this. There were quite a few ships that were able to do this, but I guess this one was the most documented from the records that he was able to come up with. The enslaved Africans on the ship Killed, got free, got, got the chains. Killed all the folks on board except two of them. Made them turn the ship back around. Took it back to Africa. And they were able to lower the lower the ladder, walk back off the ship, and walk back home. Now, I'm sorry, y'all, it, it pissed me off then when I did the show, and it pisses me off now that we hear nothing about the Marlboro. There should be freaking T-shirts, there should be ceremonies and memorials and and some annual stuff every freaking day. Well, not every day, once a year at least about the Marlboro. It was a ship where we turned it back around and got off the ship and went back home. And we just know about the Amistad because some crackers helped us get, quote, unquote, free. Nah. No, 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 <laughs> no. And, and if I didn't already have 28 things on my plate, I would take up the charge of getting all the information I could and uber-popularizing the Marlboro. Because one of the reasons why I did that whole series in the first place is because we have no visions of victory. We have visions of stalemate. We have visions of we sort of succeeded, but now I get passed on to the next generation. But visions of victory, where well, we whoop their ass, and 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 went about our lives. We don't get that story, and it's deliberate. And it's still to this day we don't get those stories. We barely hear about the Haitian Revolution, and they deliberately say, "Oh, well, that was just those folks in Haiti. All can't, you know, have any any, you know, happiness over that." <laughs> we. It, it, We don't hear about the marble. And this is 2011 Gregorian calendar and multicultural education and we're post-racial and the black president and shit's getting better. And we still can't get our stories out our way. And we still can't get victory stories out because if there were more and more stories of the history out of us, outwitting, outsmarting, defeating Caucasoids, then maybe more folks would not be trying to reform the system. They'd be trying to get out of it. If we had more victory stories, then maybe we could start pondering, creating a different system and a different reality that's counter to this system, instead of constantly just Oh, they're oppressing me. Oh, they're doing me wrong. Oh, I want to vote and march and get, no. We can create and make and do our own stuff. What did Dr. Clark tell us? See, I'm getting off on a rant now. But what did Dr. Clark tell us? One of the major things that we lost in the enslavement process was our concept of nation management. We have forgotten how to rule our own affairs by ourselves. Just even bringing that up to a lot of nationalist sounding folks would get them looking crazy at you like, huh? Let's just go get a congressman. Let's just go get an alderman. Let's just go get, let's go vote for a president. But building our own stuff, Huh? But that's all part of that. Of course, a lot of that is Negroness. A lot of that is just folks have, a lot of folks have given up. But another large segment of that is because the narrative from the first time we was brought here to right now, this nanosecond, has been, y'all have never defeated us. Y'all have never beat us. So y'all have no... So don't even think about it now. <laughs> don't even try. Just go along with the system. Try to make the system a little bit better. And, more, and No. So let me get back on track. So this, the story of the Marlborough. So if you want to hear that story, because I read the entire account, you want to check out um, Resistance to Enslavement Phase 2 on the enslavement ships and again, I'll type the I'll type it into the chat room. Um the book is called If We Must Die. And there are actually a few books. There are actually a few books out dealing with the um shipboard revolts. But this one was the first one that came across my my, my table. And again, this one has like six hundred, seven hundred of them that's documented, so I really like that one. And I think it's Eric Taylor. Don't don't quote me on that, but I'm de- the title is definitely "If We Must Die," and in there, you have the account of the Marlborough, our most successful um, revolt on the slave on the enslavement ship, where we killed all the Caucasoids on the ship except two, because I guess we didn't have you know folks who knew how to run the ship. Made him turn the ship back around, take it back to Africa, killed him, (laughs) and then walked off the ship and went back home. All African people should know that story. We should be reciting it to our children. There should be books about it. The Marlboro, the Marlboro. But, yeah. So then we got three parts resistance to enslavement phase 3 on foreign soil and that's where I focus on here and 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 the 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 maroon communities that were in the US and the different ways that we fought um enslavement over here once we touch down, all that sort of stuff. That that's what those three shows talk about. And then I tried to do a summary of all six of those. So there the so technically there's seven shows of the resistance series lecture. Um and then yeah and the last one is a summary of those other six. Again, time is winding down, and we only... Oh, dang, I dropped off for a minute. Damn Skype. Okay, yeah, so... So, yeah, so we got about almost 10 minutes left. Again, everyone that's listening to the chat room, in 10 minutes, your connection will drop off from hearing what's going on. So if you want to continue, call in 760-454-1111, either through your phone or through Skype, because we will continue afterwards, after – the end, The closing music to continue to try to get the, all of this in with one show because we already got something good planned for next week. Um, so I want to get that out, and we got to get through this so I can get into what we're going to do for part for year two. So, so yeah. So seven six zero four five four one 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 in ten minutes because the computer part of this will drop out. So then, after the Resistance Lecture Series is over, I did a show called Militant Integrationalism. And again, I'm going to speed up a little bit. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I thought I did something out of order there. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Three Okay. Yeah. Militant integrationalism. Basically, there are folks who sound like they're pro-black, even sound like they're Afrocentric, and I'm using that term deliberately. But if you really, really listen to them, they're just demanding integration. They're not asking anymore. They're, they're demanding that you accept them with an African name. They're demanding that you accept them with an African hairstyle. But but you get the phrase in there, accept them. And they're demanding to a group that they obviously see as as in power. And so the, and, and then I talk about there are two groups of these militant integrationists, and and again i'm just a quick recap i'm not going to go into any detail but most of these folks you can expose when you ask them about plans when you ask them about um world view when you ask them you know about how we're going to go about um getting some type of freedom stuff like that that's when you can usually expose them and get past the rhetoric Because if, 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 because quite a few folks, and again, this was shown to me in blog talk, that they'll have, you know, cute sounding pro-black type names and they come on all of the more serious shows. But then when you really get in there that you see, they start, their hatred of Africa and African things start coming out. Um. And so that that's another faction of them that's the other faction so militant integrationalism um was basically just a show to steer you to to expose you to some charlatans who sound pro black and who sound like they're talking some afrocentric stuff um but they're really just mad at white folks for not letting them do certain things and if if They can get Caucasoids to accept their African name in Caucasoid reality, accept their African hairstyle in Caucasoid reality, then they'll be fine and they'll shut up. And the bad part about that is folks who aren't listening critically will think they're down and then end up, they would waste a lot of time listening to them and being around them. And so that, that show... Um, I tried to expose that type of behavior. So then we had after that we have two shows called "The Law of Irreconcilable Realities," African versus Caucasoid, and me personally, I'm disappointed at the numbers of downloads for those shows because that particular those particular shows are key critical and crucial for us to understand and probably part of the reason again is if you're reform minded reform reforming minded if you think that everyone is all the same and 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 don't matter what color you are and and if you don't have a good understanding of culture, and if you don't understand your African history before we got brought over here and all that sort of stuff, then I can see why those shows haven't been as as well downloaded as I would have liked them to be. I mean, the numbers can still pick up, but after a year, these shows were done um, in – one February and one early March of this year, and the number still was sort of low. But the law of irreconcilable realities, the African worldview and reality and the Caucasoid worldview and reality are 180, degree, 180 degrees apart and completely irreconcilable. So therefore, all solutions trying to fix or tweak or whatever within the Caucasian Society, history has shown that hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked because we are coming from and are of a different reality base. And since we don't understand that, we keep repeating the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And so those two shows really walk through. That law, and it's not a theory or a hypothesis or an idea. I really feel and agree with the folks who invented it um, that it is a law. And um, on that particular show page, um, there's a diagram that was put together by the um, occultal family in the book Sankofa Movement Re Africanization and the Reality of War that goes through and gives you a visual of, of this these irreconcilable realities. And and I really feel if we properly understood that, then we will be forced to attempt to create different solutions and do specifically different things. But since the majority of us, even those that call ourselves pro-black nationalists don't get that, that's why we're stuck where we are right now. Um, Another show I'm sort of mad that didn't get <clears throat> the downloads that they should have gotten was a show I did called Tapping Directly Into Your African Spirit, Uben Shang, and, um, a good brother Kwasi Ra, and the him Batay um did a did a show. Excuse me, he he's written a book. He's written a few books, but this particular one, Uben Shang. U B E N U <laughs> B E N H Y E N G. I'll put it in the chat room. U B E N H Y E N G. Oh, help us spell. Nope, I didn't spell it right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm typing it. Okay. And you can get it from ojirafo.com dot com is available on there for free online. O D W I R A F O dot com. This deceptively small yet powerful book is the best book for the application and understanding of African centered um spiritual philosophical thought. To me that's on that's on the market today. Nothing that's out there comes close. When folks usually write and deal with the religion or the philosophy, they're either just laying it out or they're just comparing it and contrasting it to Caucasoid stuff. But he lays it out in a practical, more applicable, and deeply philosophical in the African sense way. And and so what I did is I had some music. In the background, and I was reading a few um things from that particular show and and I don't know some folks said that the music was too loud, and so that's why they haven't downloaded it, didn't download it then um I don't know but and it was also around this time, yeah, yeah, with militant integrationism from that one and then on up to a few other shows that's when blog talk was changing and everyone who was doing it for free they changed it and you only got 30 minutes within 15 minutes overtime speaking of overtime all right, folks, folks who are in the chat room we got two minutes left so all y'all that's in the chat room if y'all want to continue this live 760-454-1111. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. If you're just listening on a computer only, in two minutes it will drop and it will die, and you'll have to hear the next hour when you download it in on archives. I hope you download it for archives, um, and share it with friends. But if you want to continue listening live, seven six zero four five four one 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 one. We got about a minute. So, wrong page. Um, You can call in on your phone or call in on Skype. Yep. Little white lady in my ear just said 90 seconds. So, what I'm going to do is we're coming back after the break. So I'm going to play the clothes and then play a clip and get a drink of water and stuff and then come back and we're going to continue this. And I'll probably rush through more of these shows so we can finish it up. So, Abibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. Yabedi Enkonem. Adasi to everyone that was in the chat. Please download the show. Check out the archives. And... Check out this show so you can hear what some of the archives are about, so you can um, download them in blocks like it seems like Kim is about to do. <laughs> so y'all take care, and we will be back after the break. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. The system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. cut the, the good African drumming music off, but a lot of more shows to talk about, <laughs> and I want to still get in some of the stuff for season two, or year two, so got to zoom through this. So yeah, so tapping directly into your African spirit, reading from the Uben Shang, um, even though I'm sort of still disappointed at how that one turned out, I may do it again, maybe just don't. Um, had the music in the background. Maybe turn the music down, or, or I don't know. Now that I'm using Google Docs, um, have the actual document there so folks can read along while we do. I don't know. I work on that, but uh, yeah. So that that show was a bit disappointing. Now, one show. You know, you, you, you do these shows, and, of course, you know, some are better than others. Some you feel you got a lot of the good information out. Some stuff, you know, you wish you would have said better, said differently, all that sort of stuff. I am very, very happy with this particular show. And and from some of the numbers, you know, they're sort of a, a bit better than average Um, Other folks liked it as well And I even have a snippet of it on um, our YouTube channel Africa's Reascension YouTube channel The title being Africa was, is, and will be Better off without Jesus, Allah, and Muhammad And, I mean, the, the title is probably the most controversial Of all the titles, deliberately so but, I mean, with a lot of the stuff that I have already said, you know, um, that show really isn't that <laughs> controversial. It, 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 it's, it, it's a polemic title, but, I mean, if you had been listening to, especially the Exposing the Fallacy pieces, um, you already know sort of where I'm coming from, but this one was just a no-holds-barred... Um, hour long, because again, this is still within the hour, the 45 minutes, excuse me, uh, 45 minute phase of Africa's Reascension. So I just, that, that one, I, I prepared it <laughs> beforehand and read from it. And so I tried to get every word properly down because I knew I had limited time and I just went in and and I, I am I am happy personally with that show, and it seems like you know a few other folks are too. So um, we may be readdressing it again, especially now with this two-hour, um, two-hour format with a whole other hour of overtime. And then the last show that we did, or the next to last show that we did under the forty-five-minute format was um, Identity Confusion, I Am Not African, Part 1. And I want to go on the record right now and say that that first show was done in March, end of March. And there's still one more part to it that I wanted to do. But there was a whole bunch of stuff that, that has happened and got in the way, and new stuff, and all that sort of stuff that has sort of delayed the process of getting back to. Because there's a specific show that I want to do on this identity confusion, the the, the final part, and so <clears throat> I, I, I want I, I am going to get back to that. and and wrap that particular series up. Well, on that show, Identity Confusion, I'm Not African, I'm just walking through and hopefully chopping up some of the typical crazy excuses that folks give for not being African and this identity confusion that we have and who it benefits more when we don't understand who we are and accept our identity and all that sort of stuff. So that's basically what that show is about. Now, there were a few shows... Like, okay, around this time, April, I got fed up with the 45-minute format. And another brother who I've been talking to and listening to his show and stuff... He gave me the opportunity to come over onto his show, which was the full two hours and then an hour over time if I needed it. And and you know, I molded over and molded over and thought about it and I was like, Yeah, sure, okay, let's do this. And so I went over so Africa's reascension moved over to um another blog talk network called, um, at that time, Heruka Anu, and now it's called um, Black Power Networks. And so the first show, there was a... Oh, I'm I'm bugging on what the discussion was about. (laughs) But we had a spillover discussion, so we did the two hours... Over there, and I could have did the hour overtime on there as well, but I was like, let me come back over to the original Africa's Reascension and use these forty five minutes over here, so you know can cross pollinate the audiences, and so we have a show where there's the spillover discussion, and uh, I'm mad I ain't do the homework to find out, to remember what the original show was about. Was it identity confusion? It may, it might have been. No. Oh, there we go. It was the Malcolm X book discussion. That was it. So, yeah, so we did a talk on, on Malcolm X, and the book had just came out. And so I did it over on Heru new at nine over under his umbrella. And then it kept, it was a good show, and it went over the two hours. And so instead of finishing it up, On his show for the hour, we came back over here and did it for another 45 minutes. And so that's the spillover discussion. And so then um, we did a tribute show to Bob O'Malley, where basically, you know, we talked about him and his life. Um, We had already talked about the book beforehand, so it's just about um, playing his words hearing him and and giving some um, airtime to his thoughts and stuff like that. So that's what that show was. And so then, so now there are a few shows here. Identity Confusion Part 2, and it says originally aired 5-1-2011. Then the next one I did Confusion Two Point Five, originally aired five eight two thousand eleven, and then yeah, then those two shows. There were four shows. I basically did about a month and a month month and a half of my shows. Over on Heruka Anu now Black Power Network um, under their format. And I'm gonna put it out there because hey, somewhere, like I said, about a month, month and a half, and he wanted to change the name. For, and he said he was gonna change the name from his name, Heruka Anu, to Black Power Network. And so when he went and did that, he also changed the password. So I go in and, you know, I'm trying to set up, send some files, you know, and set up for the show. And I notice that the password is changed. And I'm like, hmm, okay, I ain't think nothing of it. You know, I drop old boy a text, We're like, hey, what happened? You know, send me the new password or whatnot, and let's do this. I ain't hear nothing from him called him up, left a message, and then he responded back. I think he sent me a text or a voicemail or something I was like, yeah, you know, great show, you know, I, I need to talk to you for a minute and, you know, let's, let's chop it up and talk. So, but within that message, he didn't give the new password. And so I'm like, so what we got to talk about is so important that I can't get access to the show. <laughs> and and so I think I lost like one or two shows that way. And so I was like, you know what? Screw this. And so was that June 5th? That's the show that says the two-hour Africa's Reascension starts now. That's when I went ahead and started paying for Blog Talk, and that's what we have now—the two-hour show with the hour overtime because of some weird circumstance with a Ruka I knew, and and changing up the name and needing to talk to me and not giving me the new password and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, there's. Like, no major hurt feelings, you know. He He's still a cool brother. Um, I just wish he would have told me what the hell was going on. Um, I mean, this is sort of better anyway. Again, under my umbrella and all the archives and everything is all under one spot, Africa's Reascension versus folks going back and forth, back and forth. And so the shows that have parentheses, first date, this date or that date, was the shows that I did over there that I had brought over here so that all the archives could be in one spot. So all of my shows that I've done from over there are now over here as well. So Identity Confusion 2, 2 2.5, the original show of the book talk, and then you can then go see the spillover after that. And then um, there was a Identity Confusion 1.5 that we did, as well as um, there was some issues from a past week that I, I felt needed to be addressed more properly. And so that's where that shows are. So if you listen to those, hopefully they're not too disjointed and out of whack, but they were originally coming from when I was, when we tried to make a partnership, and I tried to go under somebody else's umbrella to get the two-hour show, and it just didn't work, and so I just went decided to pay for it, and and that's what we have now. <clears throat> so then we have, so the next one, what do you think of Farrakhan's recent anti-African talk? Now, I will say that information came out that it wasn't recent. I guess somebody was digging in the archives and had recently found it, but it wasn't anything that he had recently said. It even looks like it was something from the late 70s or early 80s. But basically, I had gotten a hold. A a friend had sent me two clips, you know, pretty long clips, of, of of Farrakhan just saying some of the most asinine things about Africa, African culture, natural hair. He called natural hair a disease catcher. <laughs> I mean, th- I mean, some very asinine, stupid, idiotic stuff. And one thing I like about the way I set that show up is I started it out with some clips from Bob Mawali, Malcolm X, who was, you know, one of Farrakhan's teachers, <laughs> and and some and the, the 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 quote that I really love, or the talk, no, the quote within the talk where he says, "The success." Of the the secret to the success of the Black Muslim movement was his emphasis on things African. That's a direct quote from Bobo Mawali, Malcolm X. And so a person who sat under him and at least at one point sort of you know spoke very highly of him was taught by Malcolm Farrakhan to then say these things that he said about Africa, African culture, and African aesthetic was just so off-putting and asinine that, that I had to do a show on it. It was that bad. And and we got quite a few downloads from it. And other folks in the blogosphere, you know, did shows about it too. But none of them did it the way that I did it. And so I would at least say, you know, get, get the, the, the wide collection of shows that address the Farrakhan Craziness. Um, this was around June 12th, June, within that week, if you will. There were a few shows that talked about it. And and I listened to most of them. And, again, the, the way that I set the show up and did it, no one else did it. So I brought a little bit of something that was unique to the discussion. And so you may want to check that out. Um, and then, like, um yeah, I had requested it, it it had already been done on um in May sixteenth was when I had the identity debate with um with old boy and so I went ahead and finally added that show into my archives. So again, everything, every full show that Kamal McCasey has done I'm sorry, Come on with McCasey Tahuti has done is now all here in one spot. Um, you know, the only things that's out there is when I called in to other folks' shows and shared stuff and talked or whatever. But the identity debate was originally in, on Mr. Holipsism's show in the Holipsism's Haven. That's now here. And then, like I just shared, there was a grouping of shows that were – on heruka Anu which was which is now called Black Power Network, all those african Africa's reascension shows are now here, so all Africa reascension archives are right here in one spot for you and so yeah, the identity bait was a great great show um when it first aired, and you know it's still talked about to this day. Um, with folks and and been quite a few folks downloaded from here, I guess, who either didn't download the first time or had never heard it, so um, you want to check that out. So continuing, winding up here, we did two shows on the deep structure of culture. Again, personally, I wish these two shows would have had um, more downloads um, and again, the numbers can still go up, they haven't disappeared or nothing, but just looking at the numbers, I'm a bit disappointed because we throw around the word culture so, so much, but with how Wade Nobles and Linda James Myers, and then myself, lays out the culture piece, 90% of what folks say, think they're saying is culture is only dealing with the surface level. The, three, the, the quick recap, there are three levels to the totality of what culture is. I label those the surface level, the ideational or ideological level, or the thinking level, excuse me, and then the assumptions level. <laughs> excuse me. The surface level is at the top. Think of think of this understanding of culture going downward. So the topmost level is the surface level. And that's where you have clothes. That's where you have hairstyle. That's where you have food. That's where you have names. That's where you have, you know, those types of aesthetics. That's where you have those type of things. The surface level is the most amenable to change and transformation. Entertainment, the music, all that sort of stuff. That's surface level culture. And I've been to too many gatherings where they deliberately say, now for the cultural aspect of our program, here come the stilt dancers, here come the drummers. And, and, and too many of us mislabeled the totality of culture as just entertainment, as just hairstyles and the food. I'm dealing in African culture. I listen to African music. You're dealing in the surface level. So then the next level down is the thinking level. That's where ideology and worldview, how you think, the, 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 the um, utama wazo, culturally constructed thought. That's that second level of culture. And then the deepest level, the third level, the level that's the least amenable to change and transformation. Folks, cover it up, cloud it up, you know, get you to (coughs) misunderstand what it is. But as far as actually changing it, it's the least affected by change. And that's what we call the affections level. Excuse me. That's where you have epistemology, how you know knowledge and deal with knowledge, cosmology, how you know and interact with the universe, axiology, your values, how you create them, what you value, what you don't value, and ontology, how you define reality, how you go about reality, what is reality as far as within a definitional construct. <clears throat> that is the deepest level of culture. And it's on that level where we still, it's on that level where Africa shows herself within all of us almost every day, or at least once a week. But like Mama Maruga says, since we don't know where to look For our African retentions, we either don't think they exist or we just get caught up again in surface level retentions. But on that deepest level, the fact that we still are a highly vibe oriented people. That just don't feel right, so I'm not gonna do it. That's that didn't just happen to us when we got brought over here. That is something that we carried with us from the continent over here. Um and in that show I go through some of the examples that that, that again Wade Noble's and Linda James Myers lays out. And if we can understand that deep the deep structure of culture all three levels in its totality and understand it better, then then we have better tools to work with to move forward. Because if we know that culture involves thought, if we know that culture involves reality and understanding the universe and all that sort of stuff, and that we have ways of doing those things that we have been locked away from, instead of just grabbing the clothes and grabbing the names and grabbing the African names, by understanding the deep structure of culture, we then quite logically will then start looking at grabbing the African philosophical thought, re grabbing the African traditional rituals and how we look at and interact with the universe, re grab those things on that deep cultural level. But we got to understand the depth of culture to be able to do it. And so those two shows um, laid it out. And what's interesting is that, so the deep structure, that was like, that was two hours, and I think there's some overtime. But there was, I think a caller had called in, and we had talked about something else. And so I wasn't able to go through Everything that I really wanted to go through, and that, for me personally, understanding the depth of culture is so important that, like, late night one day, I did, like, I guess 30, maybe 45-minute addendum to where then I went and got into the other stuff that I wasn't able to get into because I really felt that it had to be said so you could get the whole piece of it, and so – that's that's where those two parts of the deep structure of culture shows come in from. Um, hopefully we can pick up the downloads on the – It's that's very – one pattern that I'm noticing is that some of the shows where I personally feel is deeply critical that we understand certain things, it's those shows that I was sort of disappointed in – the downloads and that they didn't um, move other folks to grab them and listen to them like other shows that I thought were still good. But, you know, if you, they they were uh, a, a three or four in the important scale versus some of these other ones, I think were definitely a one. And this deep structure of culture, two shows aren't reflecting and downloads, the importance of them if other folks understood it. And so hopefully folks will listen to this and hear my call and and go back and re-get or get for the first time this deep structure of culture, part one and two. Go back and get the law of irreconcilable reality, part one and two, um, <laughs> and go back over this the re, the resistance to enslavement, all of those phases, because all of those downloads could pick up a bit more. It, what's interesting is it seemed like with the resistance to enslavement, folks really got interested when I got over here to America. But dealing with the slave ships and dealing with us fighting in Africa, the downloads don't reflect the same type of interest. And that's sort of disappointing. <laughs> Okay, so after the two Deep Structure of Cultures, I went ahead. I think I, I knew I was going to be busy that week, so what I did is I put together um, Mama Marimba Ani did a three-part interview, like, right after Urugu had came out, and so I'd had that for a while in my archives, and it's on the after Reascension YouTube page also, but I put it in um, MP3 format and put it here on the show. So you get to hear that <clears throat> total interview that she did with um, now ancestor Lesterfield Middleton. So you can get some of the foundational thoughts right when it was fresh for her with Urugu, a great, great, powerful book. <clears throat> After that, we did um, a tribute to Baba Asar, Hanbalah He had passed and... Basically, that entire show was about him, shared some of his actual words, got some of his um, talks, um, got a few talks of folks who knew him from some other shows and put that on. And so that's been, you know, fairly well received. Um, it may have been a first introduction of most folks to Baba Hannibal because he wasn't out there on the lecture circuit. He was busy building and creating independent schools, was busy building and working with any organization that called themselves pro-black and nationalist. And he was busy doing the work more so than writing books and going on lecture tours and getting in front of video cameras and stuff like that. Um, But his legacy is definitely felt throughout all within um the serious African centered community.
0: Hmm.